0: Plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan.
1: Well, hello, power partners, and welcome to our Hour of Power. This is Star Style, Be The Star You Are, and I am your host, Cynthia Bryan. We're coming to you live on the Voice America Network. This is the Empowerment Channel, and we are brought to you through the airwaves by Be The Star You Are charity as an outreach program, and we uh, strive to seed, stimulate, and support space for positive, meaningful conversations. The Miracle Moment for today brought to you by Be The Star You Are Charity. If you're interested in becoming a volunteer, you can visit org. We're very happy to announce that we have already, it's only the 18th day of January, but um, through all the positive reviews that we've gotten, um, we've already been named a, a, a top nonprofit. Um for this year. So that's kind of exciting. So um, make sure to visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. And that's in great thanks to um, our volunteers and supporters and beneficiaries and benefactors and people who feel that what we're doing makes a difference in the world. So the miracle moment, uh, it was said by Cesar Chavez. If you really want to make a friend, go to someone's house and eat with him. The people who give you their food give you their heart. And that's going to be a lead-in to our second and third segment today, because we'll be talking about how food not only nourishes our bodies, but how it is a solve for the soul. And it's been that way throughout the centuries. I mean, I know my mom used to always say the way to a person's heart is through their stomachs. And so that's why we, I like to garden and cook. So we're going to find out why food is a gift and why we choose specific things to eat, what is healthy and what is not, and what cultures offer healthier choices. And uh, do you know what food could uh, find, give you uh, diseases too. So whatever the occasion, dining is normally the center of the event, or at least the favorite part. So we'll be discussing that. But now we are going to talk about weather and garden. Um, I am very excited because today we had sunshine here in Northern California, uh, but it is going to rain in the next couple of hours, Uh, so this today, all day, I have been working, cleaning the barn, mucking out the barn, and it's been a mess because we've had three and a half weeks, literally since the day after Christmas, of atmospheric rivers, I think there were nine or ten of them plus a bomb cyclone and just absolute downpours of rain. And uh, that meant all the animals were in the barn and making a mess. (laughs) And so today they were so happy to go outside, but it gave me an opportunity to go get some, you know, new hay and feed and just clean everything from top to bottom. But the storms have been, you know, really stunning. We have enjoyed these really intense storms. The the bomb cyclone is actually called a bombogenesis and it had strong winds and extreme precipitation. And then we had substantial atmospheric rivers. They caused flooding, mudslides, debris flows, power outages, uh, rock-filled dry creeks are raging, trees have been uprooted. Many residences required sandbags, as did mine, as protection from the heavy showers. And, of course, um, So many people have been out of power and had, you know, had literally water surrounding them. So I am grateful for the rain and I only wish I had personal reservoirs or underground cisterns like they have in Bermuda to capture the runoff because I have a lot of barrels and buckets, but they are overflowing. Now, despite the torrents, our California drought is not over. We still need more rain. So As much as we were happy to see the sunshine, um, we do need to fill our reservoirs and we need more snow. Now what's also what it's causing is weeds and seeds are sprouting everywhere. On my hillside, orange and yellow self-seeded calendula plants are blooming, which is very pretty. Um, My poppy plants, which have like a gray, green, silvery leaf, they are peeking through the soggy soil I have begun weeding daily because I try to bring a a five-gallon bucket up to the barnyard, even in the downpours, uh, because these small seedlings are just so much easier to pull. So I do advise if you have weeds that are sprouting to go ahead and try to pull those because that will really help. Um, also, if you have any non-native, invasive, flammable, difficult control brooms, that you may want to uh, try to pull those out. And for the big broom plants that are difficult to eradicate, uh, check with your local fire department, because in our area, they have a special tool available that they'll lend to the public, which will pull out these unwanted invaders, including the tap root. So, if this is a good time to make our gardens more fire safe while it is winter. Now, in um, the last time I was talking about garden trends, um, I I talked about a part one of garden you know trends that are happening in the garden, and these were predicted for 2023 by the Garden Media Group, and there were suggestions as varied as vertical gardening. To the age of being 100 is, um, is called the new 50. And that was the one thing that I was like, what? If you're 100, you really, you were calling it the new 50? I don't think so. But hey, I'll go with it. I'd like to live to 100 and still feel like I'm 50. So we'll see if that happens. But gardening at age 100 is gonna require raised beds to avoid having to bend over, as well as provide a manageable height for wheelchairs. Now this year, as far as the it's part two of my trends, something that's really in are classic columns, statues, boxwood hedges, and anything that is iconic Greek, like iconic Greek gardens for inspiration. And that is especially important for Gen Z. Um, they are really asking for more stone walls, archways, and olive trees are in demand. And olive trees are beautiful. Um, I have I have olive trees in my garden, and they're pretty old. And actually, they're full of olives now. I am not going to harvest. It's a lot of work to harvest olives and to make olive oil. Or when we were young, we used to... Um, put them in lye for a few days and then we would you know make olives to eat but i do have friends that are pressing olives for olive oil which is wonderful it's like i don't have time for that but it would be great to have your own olive oil so olive tree olive uh, trees are really in demand and the good thing is is they love a mediterranean climate they don't require much water so they're really good for drought now for a timeless arrangement in your garden you could plant roses, agapanthus, cyclamen, and waterwise succulents. And these would be all things that would be included in your design as a key plant for spring. And a staple of Greek design is actually gravel gardens. And these are really excellent choices for large and small spaces, and they require just minimal maintenance in drought times. And of course, I can't help but think about drought and fire in the middle of the pouring rain, Um, But this is a good time to think about that. Now, arbors have graced gardens throughout history, and they provide shade, and they add a focal point to any landscape design. And although Greek uh, decor will be progressively popular, when considering an arbor, you want to select one that's going to complement the style of your home and garden. And then you also want to choose durable materials that will withstand the weight of vines, so, you know, if you have a Tudor house, probably putting in a Greek arbor system isn't going to look so great. So, you know, if, whatever your, the style of your house is, whether it is a ranch house or a Georgian, you know, uh, you have to look at your style and decide what's going to look best with that. Now, climate action is also addressed in the Garden Media Trend Report. The first hardiness zone map was drawn in 1960 by the US Department of Agriculture. Now the country is half a zone warmer since that last map was updated in 2012, indicating that the climate velocity of heat will increase 13 miles per decade, which means it's moving the map to, um, for regions to be hotter. Now, our Earth's climate is projected to warm by an additional 11 degrees Fahrenheit by the end of this century. So planting climate-resilient trees will be one way to control and combat the warming planet. Reforestation produces clouds, and clouds cool the climate. And trees sequester and store carbon, and they conserve energy through their shade. They decrease stormwater runoff, they filter air pollutants and they reduce urban heat. Um, and, you know, and that's especially in cities. And it's critical to plant the correct trees in the correct places to increase biodiversity and resilient ecosystems. So something that's going to be very big this year is going to be hiring a gardening coach or an arborist for specific zip codes Um uh, so that you will be planting the right things in the right areas. And I think that's a really, a very good tip for anyone. Orange is the designated color of the year for gardens. Now, orange has spiritual connotations, as many people know, deeply rooted throughout history. For example, in Buddhism, it is the color of perfection and illumination. In Confucianism, it is the color of transformation. In Hinduism, Krishna's dresses are orange. And in Western culture, orange is considered earthy, amusing, exciting, and warm. Now, we also know it's also the preferred pigment for prison apparel. So, I'm not sure how much orange, uh, how many orange jumpsuits you want to wear unless you're planning to head that dire- direction. But showcasing plants with orange or terracotta hues are going to be the rage in gardens this year and in garden centers that where you'll, you will be seeing those, um, those colors. And if you're not a huge fan of orange year round, but you want to just have orange at certain times, just plant color spots, you know, annuals that will just have a little pop of orange. Or it could be peach, you know, or again, terracotta you know, is actually a, a deeper a deeper kind of reddish, earthy orange, so that might be good. Now, you'll also, in the garden, want to attract wildlife, especially birds, to your property by enticing them with native plants, trees, shrubs, and flowers. And those uh, plants, trees, shrubs, and flowers will provide a consistent source of food throughout the year. You can hang feeders, nesting boxes, and um, implement some fountains and bird baths and that way you'll welcome the avian guests who will also pollinate and protect your yard. Now, a lot of people have been asking me what's happening on my property right now because with all this rain, you know, it's like you've been sequ- I've been sequestering, I've been just trying to keep the mud out and the creeks flowing and and uh, sandbagging and all that. But I will say that listening to the cascading waterfalls the thunderous creaks and the croaking frogs, it actually brings a lot of joy to my heart. And watching the birds find shelter throughout my landscape, it has indicated to me that my feathered friends are calling my garden home. I have a lot of birds. And also above where I live on this little mini farm, um, the air currents attract all kinds of birds that love to soar. So I have a lot of raptors um, that just, you know, are soaring in these air currents and the red-tailed hawks and um, different kinds of hawks. its its They're so interesting to watch and listen to their calls. Uh, newts and salamanders are frequenting my pond. My camellia tree is full of buds and blooming. And today I do have like a couple of sump pumps under my um, house and I was trying to clean out sump pumps And, um, which meant I had to trim some of the, of my camellia bush. But, so here's a little tip. If you have to trim your camellia bush for any reason, I had to uh, trim a lot of the branches off that had buds on them. So just bring them in your house, um, give them a trim, cut off a few of the leaves, put them in a vase, and you'll find within a week you will have camellias blooming. So don't throw those out if you have to trim up your bushes. Um, let's see oh my 37 year old olive tree as I was saying it's an old one has big black olives uh, on it and a lot of them are already falling to the ground I am not going to harvest them I'm going to just leave them for the wildlife my hills are carpeted with sprouts of wildflower seeds that I scattered in the fall my sage and madeira are just dazzling companions and madeira if you don't know what that is It is a a very uh, drought-tolerant plant. You see it sometimes on hillsides because it does hold the hillsides in. It has these, also you see it by harbors a lot. It has um, these magnificent, in spring, spires of blue-purple flowers that are just spectacular. It gets really big, and it will self-seed itself. So I'm hoping it, I only have one plant, but it's huge, and I hope that it will self-seed. Now, my grass is emerald with new growth, but it also is, looks like a lake. There's so much water um, on it that when you walk on it, you just um, I get to about ankle-deep in water. So the ground is saturated, and it just can't even take anymore. So I'm hoping that the next rains aren't too heavy, and then that we get a break, and let the water uh, saturate, and then we can get more rain. Uh, the deciduous trees are fascinating to me. The branches have so much architectural interest; they uh, they're just beautiful. And in fact, if you want to see my latest column, I haven't um, I haven't posted it yet on the website. But if you do go to CynthiaBryan.com dot com forward slash gardens, I will be posting some pictures of of um, of these trees and uh, and of different things in my garden. And also, I am now doing a Substack. So, if you want to subscribe, you can. As of now, my Substack is free. I'll probably be doing a paid Substack subscription in the future because um, I'm doing a lot of writing and getting a lot of requests. My lemons, my limes, my tangerines have been knocked out of the trees by the rains, but I gather them every day and I use them in the kitchen and I give them to neighbors and all of that. Um, as I said, the ground is really saturated. It's unable to drain quickly. But the good news is the retaining walls and gravel walks that I created uh, throughout the summer and fall are really holding most of the mud and stuff that's coming down from the hillside. I did have to sandbag to um, my garage and sheds and part of the house just to protect it from the deluge. I have thousands of narcissi blossoms that are scenting the air. And that is beautiful. I have not begun uh, pruning, heavy doing the heavy uh, pruning of my rose bushes yet, just because of the rain. And so many of them are still blooming. So I'm just going to let them bloom probably a week or so more, maybe into February. You can do it into February. But indeed, with the stunning storms, Hope and faith flower from the cheerful seeds of the old to the sprouting garden of the New Year's dawn. And I am grateful. So I hope that you will stay safe and weather the storms. So happy gardening, happy growing, and happy January. And then just check out my website, CynthiaBryan.com. Besides having the garden stuff on there, you can find my books, Um, There's a whole media page for media, if you're interested in having me uh, on as an interview for anything, as well as the blog is there, everything about speaking, radio, and of course you can get information on uh, Be The Star You Are charity. So when we come back from break, we're going to change the topic to probably one of everybody's favorite topics, and that is food. So stay with me. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. And we will be back shortly. Be the star you
2: are. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan, www.cynthiabryan.com. Are you a teenager with lots to say but no one to talk to? Let your creativity explode and your voice be heard. On the radio program Express Yourself, a show by teens, for teens, and about teens. No topic is off limits as you connect with teens with attitude. Check out Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel. And join our global community where teens talk and the world listens. www.btsya.com You can Express Yourself.
0: Now, back to the power party. This business of show.
1: Well, we're back, and in the break, I was just reading the U.S. Postal Service retail quick tip sheet. So, rates are going up, just so everyone needs to know that, on January 22nd. So, are that just a letter or a card is going to be 63 cents now? Up, oh, it was 60 cents before. It's going to be sixty-three cents, and a postcard is going up to forty-eight cents. And of course, then there's um, the, it goes up if you have two ounces. That was just for the one ounce, sixty-three. Then it goes to eighty-seven, a dollar eleven. And then your flat rate, which used to be really fairly reasonable, now that that regular flat rate envelope is going to be nine sixty-five. So. Everything goes up, and it had just gone up in September, so it's only a couple of months, and again, we have another one. Sign of the times, right? Well, before we get into the gift of food, I just wanted to say I'm so excited because Screen Actors Guild today just sent the list of all of the films and movies um, that I will be streaming or uh, watching in some way so that I can vote um, and I take it very seriously. I always watch every single thing so that I really am a fair voter. I think that's the only way to do it. Uh, I make a lot of notes and make a whole a whole notebook. And then on February 26, uh, we will be having the um, Screen Actors Guild Awards. And that's always, I think it's always fun. I know there's a ton of, ro- uh, of award shows. And so uh, people like to pick and choose. But I've always loved the Screen Actors Guild Awards because it's peer-to-peer. It's actors voting for actors. And that is really, you know, that's a a nice thing. Um, And I'm sure it still is probably somehow political in some way or another, but I never look at it that way. So we'll have to, this is the 29th annual SAG Awards, and I will keep you posted about all of those things. But let's get to the gift of food now, because um, being Italian, I grew up with um, a mom and grandparents, aunts, uncles, everybody in the family were just amazing, amazing cooks. And that also meant that that you know, we were just, we always ate such wonderful food. And I remember when I visited my relatives in uh, Switzerland, they lived in the, in the, uh, in Ticino, in the southern part of Switzerland. The food was just the same as, because that's where my family came from. It was just the same as what I was eating here. And it was so delicious. And I think something that we always did is that while we were eating one meal, we would be planning the next because it was so good. So I did grow up believing that food was love. And it just has always stayed with me that by giving people food or making food, you're sharing part of yourself. And it is a universal way of connecting with others and expressing our love through either the giving, the sharing, the preparing of a home-cooked meal at home Or, you know, going even out to dinner at a favorite restaurant or making something for, you know, when someone is sick, bringing them something, Um, giving people boxes of of dark chocolate, you know, just whatever it is. Um, For me, no matter where I go, I always bring a box of whatever is fresh in my garden. So whether it's fruit or vegetables, herbs or a combination thereof. If, we're, if I'm invited somewhere, besides that bottle of wine and besides whatever dish I'm asked to bring, I always bring a box of fresh vegetables, fruits, and herbs, because to me, that shows caring and love. Now, over the centuries and across cultures, food has been a source of fuel to nurture the body, but it is also something, a solve to nurture the soul, and it plays an important role in all of our celebrations. I mean... Think about, you know, what uh, we for us here in America, we have Thanksgiving and we no matter kind of what your nationality is, if you live in America, you're probably going to have some of the favorite foods that we associate with Thanksgiving, turkey or stuffing or mashed potatoes or sweet potatoes or pumpkin pie or cranberry, something like that. And then think of Valentine's Day. We always think about chocolate on Valentine's Day or any other special occasion, you know, weddings, birthdays. And what about comfort food? Uh, you know, When it's raining out, I just really love to have hot soups or something that is going to make you feel warm inside. So it, when somebody is sick, what do you do? Are you making hot teas or chicken noodle soup? A simple or extravagant, homemade or store-bought, the gift of food is always welcome. And people really appreciate it, I think. And it's it's fun to give and it's fun to receive. So you might want to think about all the ways that you show your love through different food. So some special occasions. What would be our most cherished holiday celebrations or milestones if we didn't have celebratory foods that we associated with them? So, you know, what what is it? I mean, we used to make... My mom used to make this... Um, homemade. It was an angel food cake stuffed with strawberries and whipped cream and then this whipped cream strawberry topping. Um, And it was like something that she always made at Christmas time. And I don't know, it just kind of became a tradition. And so my niece made it this year for Christmas. And it was just, it just brought back so many memories. Or, you know, the, the cheese balls that you make or the spaghetti's the different lasagnas, the risotto alla Milanese, you know, all these different things, whatever it is, um, you know, whether it is Christmas or birthday, whatever, it is always so fun. Because when we make food, or we give food, and it's really from our heart, I mean, it could be, like I said, a family's favorite cake, it could be a moon pie, it could be a box of chocolates, um, Or it could be like what I do so often, bringing, you know, a box of of uh, tangerines and lemons. Um, Or, you know, for those of you who are just bringing something into the office, it could be that latte or that chai. Um, Whatever it is, even, you know, it could be takeout, whatever. But food gifts bring with them the thought and intention that shows someone that you care. Because food is comfort. It soothes us. It makes us feel better in times of need and when there is nothing to lift the burden of a difficult situation and no words to express you know sympathy or empathy for illness or loss or challenging times we bring food think about when someone is sick or somebody dies it seems that our first inclination is to bring them something and usually You know, when there's a newborn, when somebody has a baby, so often you realize that nobody is going to be cooking because, you know, they're concerned with the new baby. And how wonderful it is to have a community of friends or family that will drop off something. Maybe that meal train, right, that you deliver meals to someone going through cancer treatment or you fill the freezer for parents of the newborns. Whatever, food is always needed, it's always appreciated. And the other thing when it comes to food is that we wanna respect food preferences and restrictions. That's another way to let people know that we care. So if you know that somebody is a vegetarian or they're vegan or they're grain free or they're keto or they're dairy free, food choices can be very personal and they may or may not be optional. So we always wanna pay attention And offer at least some foods that adhere to the needs of the people that we love or that we want to share our table with. So when we know that someone is watching their blood pressure, for example, or trying to manage a healthier body weight, supporting them by making healthier versions of their favorite meals or suggesting restaurants with healthier menus is an act of love. So, It doesn't have to be extravagant. It can be simple, homemade or not. It can be free. It can be costly, whatever. The gift of food comes from the heart and it fills our bodies and our souls. And that to me is what is really, really important. Now, when we talk about um, nutrition, we want to think about global nutrition because different regions actually are a little bit healthier. So we can discover new flavors and nutrition of healthy cuisines around the world. And there's really never been a better time to explore all these different flavors of world cuisines. I mean, we live in a global economy and with some help from technology, of course, um, it seems that so many foods and cooking styles are just available to us in here in America, as we are this melting pot. And it's a really great way to add variety of flavors and nutrients to our meal plans. And whether it is Asian food that you love, Mexican food, Ethiopian, Indian, it, it doesn't really matter. There's um, You don't have to even hop on a plane. In fact, now with all these delivery services, you can... Just look up a service, look at what menus they're offering or what restaurants are participating. And you can have these healthy options delivered right to your house, you know, for not that much more and just a bit of a tip that is saving you from the gas that you would have to go and find it. Or you can serve, you can actually, if you like to go out to eat, uh, you could choose a restaurant that serves some kind of international Cuisine and look for things that are new and different and be willing to take a risk Um, and even a lot of supermarkets now are offering ethnic uh, options at a lot of their counters. So different cuisines offer really delicious and different flavors and we can adopt and embrace this as a part of a healthy eating pattern. But there are some regions that I want to point out because there, there are some ways to expand our healthy ingredients and get new flavors to our palate. And while exact nutrition profiles amongst world cuisines will vary, many of the traditional ethnic cuisines are quite healthy. And um, what we want to look at is if you look at where blue zones in the world are, the, a blue zone is a status that's given to areas that have a low disease rate and high longevity. I've talked about these um, blue zones in, in other um, broadcasts, but there are seven blue zones. That There's uh, Icaria, Greece, Okinawa, Japan, the Oligostra region, Sardinia, Loma Linda, California, and Nicoya Peninsula in Costa Rica. So the Blue Zones basically are Mediterranean, Indian, and Japanese. Now, most of these cuisines emphasize lots of fruits and vegetables, whole grains, legumes, lean protein, and healthy, well, heart, I guess it's called heart-healthy fats. So if you're searching for restaurant menu ingredients or recipes to try at home, If you choose mostly nutritious whole food ingredients and then you use healthy cooking methods, you are going to be in good shape. You wanna incorporate different herbs and spices into your food to add flavor. And then you also want to cut back on salt and amp up your nutrition um, benefits. Uh, Healthy as many dishes may be, there's always some that are gonna be less less healthy uh, in every part of the world. So whenever you're going to taste new ethnic dishes, try a variety to get a sense of the region and its flavors. And, you know, even if it's not winning all those nutrition awards, because it's important to be, um, you know, to to test out the waters, basically, as long as you enjoy things in moderation, they can certainly be included in a healthier eating pattern and just Look out for and avoid you know, all that westernization, such as highly processed foods, super large portions, saturated fat, added sodium and sugar, and refined grains. That's what the Western culture has done, and those are all bad for you. So along with the many healthful additions of new fo- uh, foods and flavors found in global cu- uh, cuisines, we can borrow strategies from other neighbors around the world and that is just eat seasonally when you're able. And this really takes us back to our roots of any particular food, uh, traditional you know, eating pattern, because it used to be, before we had refrigeration, is that you just ate what was fresh. I still try to eat that way only because I have a vegetable garden, an herb garden, and orchards of fruit. So I only eat what's in season. Like right now, you are not going to find me eating any tomatoes because tomatoes aren't in season. They won't be until summer. So I'm very snobby about that. But I'm definitely eating lots of Swiss chard and um, broccoli and Brussels sprouts and cauliflower and arugula and nasturtium. All those things are growing in my garden right now and I have plenty of it and um, it's Delicious. I mean like for lunch, I did some Swiss chard with like some homemade potstickers. They they were really good so um, when you eat just What's natural and what is in season you will be uh, healthier and it reminds us to to eat locally, right? So it's better if you can eat something that is grown in your area. I know life is really busy but we need to take more time to enjoy our food. We should set the table, gather with our friends and family over a meal, rather than just rushing around and eating it in our car or while we're standing up. And, um, you know, in talking about food, on Express Yourself Teen Radio, we have uh, two of our Express Yourself teams that are super into food. And they talk about all kinds of fresh things, uh, as well as Going to restaurants and all of that, so you know, make sure to tune in to any of our food series when you um, on Express Yourself Teen Radio because I think you'll be really, really impressed with um, what these teens are just amazing on what they talk about. They they really are great. But just let me end this segment with just going over a couple of picks for healthy um, global cuisine. So, of course, I talked about Mediterranean, and all the evidence supports the Mediterranean diet as being one of the healthiest, um, if not the healthiest, because there are more than 20 countries in the Mediterranean Sea region, and that includes Greece and Italy and France and Spain, and, you know, there's so many. But And they're shared foundations of whole plant-based foods, rich in healthy fats. So that's a really good one. Another good one is Indian, uh, and Indian, they use a lot of herbs and spices like turmeric and cardamom and coriander, and that spice blend that's called garam masala, and that gives Indian cuisine a lot of big flavor and really powerful health benefits. A lot of Indian dishes are often vegetarian, so they are rich in whole grains, beans, and legumes, and I like to put turmeric on everything. And supposedly, turmeric is good to make a facial out of. Um, and I tried it, but and I thought it was really, it felt great. However, uh, don't try to sleep with it because that turmeric, uh, it stains. It's hard to get out of your pillowcases. Now, Japanese, there's lots of fresh vegetables, seafood, protein rich soy foods like ed- um, ed- edami and tofu, and fermented soy foods like miso. So those are all good sources of gut healthy uh, probiotics. So that's all. those are signature things of Japanese cuisines. And usually Japanese is served, have smaller portions. So it's often served with the antioxidant rich green tea. So that's really good. So, you know, there's literally like chopped mushrooms and, and broccoli and a lot of veggies. Um, so you can make these kinds of things at home. So I hope that you will start enjoying some food. And we'll talk a little bit about psychology of food choices when we come back from break. You are listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style, Be the Star You Are. And I will be right back. Don't go away. Be the star you are.
2: Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan.
1: Be respected and listened to. If you want to be successful in business, you'll need to build an attitude of trust. People want to be around and work with those who are sincerely interested in them. And by honestly caring for your clients, you build strong lines of communication and trust. And thus, you win the job. So how can you build relationships on trust and have a very human connection, try a couple of these strategies. Be yourself. Be your unapologetically authentic self. Open up. Be passionate. Find a personal connection. Have a simple and clear message. Listen. And then listen again. Practice, practice, practice. And remember that the client or customer is the most important person. So be interested. Remember, you're the star of your own performance, turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For more information, visit cynthiabryan.com. That's Brian with an I, cynthiabryan.com.
2: Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment.
0: It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryant. Now, back to the power party. This business of
1: Well, we're back, and we are really talking about food because uh, we all love food. And it nurtures our body, it keeps us alive, but it also helps our mind. So uh, let's talk about the psychology of food choices in this segment. So very often you are wondering, you know, you want to make a choice. So you go out and you're thinking, should I order a salad or should I have a cheeseburger? Should I have a piece of chocolate cake for dessert or should I just have, you know, some raspberries? There are so many factors that determine which food you would choose, and that decision-making process is much more complicated than most of us realize, because some food choices are deliberate, while others are unconsciously made, and our food choices are really driven by a lot of different factors. Some of these factors, and it might surprise you, uh, include genetics, and Others would be where we live, um, our economic status, and even our health status. Sometimes these things are kind of out of our control. Now, there is research that has even suggested that our personality affects which foods we would choose. And others, such as habits that you've developed over time, you know, where you choose to shop or eat, who you like to eat with, even how food is displayed, all of these things can actually ultimately affect your food choices. So the decision-making factors, they've been categorized, they not quantified, but in a number of different ways. And surveys show that the main driver of our food choices are these, taste, convenience, and price. And Of course, there are other factors that come into play as well, but those seem to be the main ones. Now, I want to just speak a little bit about genetics because it is a factor in shunning some foods and foods you don't like. For example, um, there are differences in taste perception and sensitivity, and a lot of times this is explained by genetics. For example, it is a genetic trait that determines if coriander or cilantro tastes citrusy and herbal or soapy and unpleasant. However, the extent to which genes influence taste really isn't known. Now, I am crazy about cilantro and coriander and I put cilantro in as many things as I possibly can. But I have uh, my, one of my best girlfriends, and it just makes her sick. For her, it tastes like soap. So it's, that is a genetic component for her. And so whenever I'm cooking anything, I've got to be really cognizant of that. So this, makes, this is another thing that we have to understand, you know, what things people really don't like. Another thing is you might have noticed if when you go into a really beautiful grocery store, how beautifully everything is displayed. Now, that can really affect whether you choose healthy foods or not healthy foods. Um, Our food choices can depend on all these other options, and we like to see things that are displayed really, really nicely. Now, they did some research that when unhealthy food was displayed next to healthy food, the unhealthy food would win out. That's kind of sad, huh? However, if more unhealthy foods are displayed next to healthy food, the healthy food tends to be the included in the choice. So it's kind of um, kind of a crazy thing that happens that people will, you know, they'll choose a healthy thing, but then they'll choose something that's not so good for them. Maybe they're thinking that they're balancing it out, but um, it's always better to choose healthy. So I do I do admit, though, I like potato chips, <laughs> but I still will have a salad over potato chips. So lifestyle, um, if you are moving or you have a job change or a shift change, that could be an, imp- an important factor of how you're going to eat because any of these changes can alter your state of mind and your metabolism. And it could have a direct effect on what you're going to choose. So like when you're going through stress, we normally reach for comfort foods. Or if we're sick, we reach for comfort foods. Now, seasons, that's another thing that really affects your food choices. Right now, it's been raining and cold weather. And it does trigger that desire for warm comfort foods. I have been making a lot of homemade soups and stews. Chilies. I've been drinking hot tea every single day Um, In fact, I'm writing a column on how to make homemade stock and make your you know never throw away any of your vegetable Any stems or anything just save everything and if you're making if you're if you are a meat eater or a fish eater You know or you have clams or any of that save those shells and make make a stock out of it Stock like a broth that you can use to make homemade soups now in when it's hot we tend to crave maybe ice cream or cold drinks or more fresh fruits. So it's interesting that it, the weather has a lot to do with what we are going to, um, going to consume. And if you garden like I do, we like to eat our own food, but the seasons matter. And I still think it's really good to rely on local farmers or farmer's market for reasonably priced fruits and vegetables. I know that on on our farm, we always had what was called a u-pick, and that was people could come in and they could pick their own, um, you know, their own vegetables and fruit. And I'm sure that most of the time they just stuffed themselves with as many, as much as they could eat <laughs> before they brought their box to be weighed. But no matter what, it was very inexpensive for them. And people loved it because they were going out in the country. And there's a lot of farms that still do that around the country of having a U-Pick. So look into it. Also, time of day, um, depending on what your schedule, the time of day can be impactful. It, uh, sometimes, you know, um, you might just like at four o'clock in the afternoon, you kind of need a pick-me-up. So maybe around then, that's when you're going to reach for a snack, maybe some um it would be good maybe to have, you know, a couple of nuts or something like that. That would be good for you because those will give you a little bit of energy. Personality is another thing that is related to food choices. There was a study done in 2015 that found that open personalities, people who are, you know, willing to take risks, they're new. They are willing to uh, try more different foods um, and to try more. Fruits and vegetables, etc. And more conscientious personalities consume more fruits, less meat, and fewer sweets. So I think all of that's interesting. Also, your mood can affect your food choices. And aside from the weather affecting your mood, when you're unhappy or you're under stress, you're going to likely choose kind of sweet, fatty foods that are low in protein. And food packaging also can attract you. So the company you keep has uh, also a very important uh, factor for you. So make sure that you keep um, your friends and relatives think like you do, because uh, we really would like to have healthier food choices. And just remember, you know, that food is life. So I do want to have you think less and feel more. Expect the best at all times. Never give up. Make life fun. And I'm glad that you're here with me on Wednesdays, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific, uh, on the Voice America Network and listening to Star Style Be the Star You Are. For more information about Star Style Productions that produces the show, visit my website, CynthiaBryan.com. To visit the website for Be The Star You Are charity, visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. You can make donations there, get involved. My aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate you. I want you to see beyond your physical being and know you already are the star you dreamed of becoming. So cherish the past, dream of the future, and celebrate every moment of your life. And I hope that you'll pick a book up this week and perhaps it'll be one of mine at cynthiabryan.com forward slash book. And until we celebrate next week, remember that love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan for Star Style. I thank you and I encourage you to be the star you are. Go out into the world but always be your unapologetically authentic self and make some good food this week. Make comfort food, feed your soul, feed your body and feed your friends and family because food is love. Thanks for joining me. Have a wonderful week. Be the
0: star, you-
2: been a pleasure bringing you our life changing program Star Style Be the Star You Are We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire inform entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit StarStyleRadio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan, every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style until we celebrate together next week be the star you are